on the talkback show, on the radio, or whatever audiovisual device you choose to use, welcome to the GBC podcast, where we talk about the Packers and our hometown of Green Bay. This is episode 15, created May 1st, 2022. I'm John. I'm in Appleton, Wisconsin. Along with me, as usual, Jeff in Minnesota and Neil on the East Coast. But this time around, we have two guests who also hail from the GBC. We've got Dean and JP along with us. Say hello, gentlemen, and tell us what you're drinking. Hello, gentlemen. Gin and tonic. I'm drinking a German alt from our local tap house, just dangerously close to us. Uh, it's called Third Act, and uh, that's what I'm drinking today. So I was just in Argentina, and uh, I really enjoyed the beer, so I'm drinking a collaboration between Dogfish Head, one of the best breweries around, and Patagonia from Argentina, the uh, Pilsner. Bloody Mary for me. And I've got a coffee and Kahlua with some uh, tippy cow in it as well in my commemorative Green Bay Packers quick trip mug straight from Lambeau Field. Gentlemen, how are you tonight? Uh, don't forget everyone else, you can find us on YouTube and Twitter at Green Bay Chat and Facebook at the GBC podcast, Green Bay Chat. And now just the audio is available on Spotify and Anchor by searching for Green Bay Chat. Topic today really is going to be the NFL draft and the Packer draft results. We'll touch base on some of our favorites, maybe projected starters. And if we have time, we'll talk about the undrafted free agents that are coming into Green Bay. But right now, let's kind of go around the room here and uh, tell us how you guys felt this weekend. Starting Thursday night, I know we chatted a bit then as that draft was going on. I'm going to go down my board here. Neil, why don't you start at the top? I mean, I, we, we, as we have talked about offline, right, this is something where we've really, you know, like the fact that we, of course, had a lot of picks that we could use, but also that we seem to use them well, and we use them in, in different areas. We obviously took the shotgun approach at wide receiver, um, but we also did some shotgunning at line and uh, filled in some additional strengths on the defensive line as well, right? The, essentially, if you're looking at the places where we had holes, you know, one could argue that tight end is the only place that we didn't really touch as far as our holes are concerned. And, um, you know, <laughs> and Dean's not got to avoid touching his Woo! computer. I'm, I'm, I'm the one who does innuendo, Neil. You're stealing my bet. Wow. <laughs> um, but fundamentally, right, we, we made a lot of picks. And I think all of us, you know, it's, it's of course, the, the day after the draft. And so everyone's, of course, thinks everyone is going to be the a star for the team. And we know that about half of these players are going to stink in the end. But right now, let's just be happy about who we have. And let's celebrate who they are and think about their potential for the team. Isn't that the best part, though, of watching draft analysis? I mean, ESPN had theirs. NFL, uh, the NFL Network had theirs. We had CBS Sports on the computer. Every player, all the way through Mr. Irrelevant in the seventh round, had uh, accolades famous, about them. Very, very rarely did you hear something negative being said uh, about a player. I think it was um, the Packers, uh, one of the seventh round picks, the guy who went 249 overall, Rashid Walker out of Penn State, who actually was projected to go a lot higher in the offensive line. Uh, one of the few negative comments I heard, Mel Kuyper actually called him, straight up called him an underachiever. And But other than that, everybody had, uh, yeah, we've got, uh, you know, all, all, all first round caliber picks all the way down the line. JP, wouldn't you say so? That uh, turned out really well. Yeah, I think, you know, and if you look at the way this team is built, you've got, you know, you've got uh, A.J. Dillon and you've got uh, Jones at running back. And you look at the way they drafted, the receivers they drafted, they're people who can block. This feels like a team that's built whether or not Aaron Rodgers stays around. It's going to have a strong defense. They're building up the defense. They're building up the offensive line, more picks in the offensive line consistently over the last couple of years. And on top of that, you've got people who can help out in the running game. It feels like they're moving towards a run first uh, approach rather than 
just relying exclusively on Aaron Rodgers' arm. And, and I intentionally started with my lineman first there and Neil and JP, but looking at the guys that they picked up in uh, Sean Ryan, that big kid out of UCLA. Uh, and then, like I said, they added Rashid Walker. Uh, but, you know, and, and I'm sorry, Zach Tom in the fourth round as well, Zach Tom out of Wake Forest. But add that to our existing line, but knowing that Elton Jenkins is, is on the shelf for a little bit, did we address the spot? Did we address right tackle in this draft? And, and also kind of, you, you mentioned too, JP, run, the run game could be changing as well. As alignment, how easy is it to go from a finesse pass blocker to a real road grader run blocker? Well, I mean, I think the good news, it's the good news about it is when you're, when you're, when you're doing road grading run, run blocking, it makes it much, much easier to pass block because they, the, the defense is back on their heels. They're concerned about it. And especially when you've got a guy who can just pound the rock like A.J. Dillon, I mean, it's going to be a huge issue for teams to be able to defend um, both of that as well as the speed and elusiveness of Aaron Jones and the passing game. I mean, we'll have to see, you know, you picked up a, a huge wide receiver who can run fast as well in Quay Walker, but can also block. And if you're pairing him with the Lazard, um, you really have a couple of almost tight ends blocking, um, you know, in addition to your existing tight end. So I think it'll help the passing game over the long haul. That'd be Christian Watson. Christian Quay Walker. Walker. Oh, I'm sorry. That'd be amazing if Quay Walker did that. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking, he's got certainly the athleticism to do he's it. Right? He's yes. almost yeah, got the speed. It's true. <laughs> Dean, you bring up a good point, and, and I wanted to maybe jump over tight ends and wide receivers before I went to Dean, but you bring up a, a good point on, on defense. In my opinion, probably since the Super Bowl that the Packers won, Super Bowl 45, the, the biggest negative about the Packer defense has been the lack of speed. I don't think they're ever out of position. They're not in the wrong scheme. It's not that they don't know what they're doing. It's just that they always seem that half a step off, half a step to the quarterback, half a step to get that interception. And it's always been addressing the speed. Quay Walker, I think, addresses that. Uh, we've got a beast now up on the line in Devontae Wyatt to, you know, try to get him and, and Kenny Clark in the same space, right? That's, that's going to be impressive. But uh, even, even in the fifth round, uh, Kingsley uh, Enigbare, I think is how we say it. And they're going to put him at uh, the edge rusher position as well. And then another big body and Jonathan Ford on the defensive line. But, but speed being that issue, Dean, you just kind of touched on it. What do you think? I'm actually very excited about the draft. I mean, most of you guys know that I lost my religion a little bit with, with uh, football after the NFC championship loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, over a year ago. And uh, this draft actually kind of injected a little enthusiasm back into my uh, britches. Um, I, I've never been, I, I've never understood our aversion to going after linebackers in the draft. And, and we finally did it. And I was just like, hallelujah. You know, why, why wouldn't you want somebody you know, uh, like a Brian Urlacher or an individual that can go sideline to sideline, uh, hit people like a tree trunk, and also can stick with a tight end if they're doing a crossing route through the middle of the field. Um, for some reason, we, we just have neglected, I would say, our linebacking position, um, gosh, for a long time, and, and we finally address it. So I'm, I'm totally stoked about that. I want to make one comment too, which also might, I, I think, maybe explain the Packers' philosophy on their approach to this draft. Because you talked about all the all the pundits and the people who were talking about the draft or even mocking it uh, beforehand, and you know everyone saw the Packers trying to maybe move up a little bit, 
trade some of their picks away, move up, grab a, one of those top wide receiver prospects, and, and they chose not to do that. I still think Christian uh, Watson's an excellent pick, uh, Romeo Dobbs, awesome pick. Uh, I think actually they'll pay some dividends, hopefully a little faster than sometimes some wide receivers do. Uh, but, you know, think back to uh, Brett Favre's career. Uh, I'm, I might suggest to you one of the most unfortunate injuries that the Packers uh, suffered was probably one of the best things for Brett Favre. And that's when Sterling Sharp got injured and had to leave the game. Uh, he couldn't play anymore. That was the only person that, that Favre seemed to find reliably over and over and over. Yeah, he threw the ball to a lot of different people and he threw a lot of errant passes and double and triple coverage, all the things that people love Favre for. But um, once, once Sterling Sharp wasn't on the field, it forced him to become a better quarterback and really understand, I think, more comprehensively the offense that Holmgren was trying to implement. I'm kind of curious to see if that isn't somewhat the case with Devontae Adams taking off. Uh, we're going to have some young wide receivers. I think they'll make the team. Um, but, you know, you look at where we're at. An aging Randall Cobb. You've got Alan Lazard. Wonderful talent way more impactful to the offense than just catching balls. And that's often overlooked. But I see where you, yeah, I see where you're going with that Dean. Definitely. Uh, right. Your number one playmaker as a receiver is gone. So it's going to force Rogers to uh, spread things around. But Jeff, I want to pick on you because when we did our highly scientific draft predictions, you, you ended up with Chris Olave in the trade up, uh, which I said, boy, I thought that would be a good one. Uh, and you had asked me what I thought it would take to draft to trade up I said well geez you might have to trade 22 and 28 to get up to number 11 where Washington is to get that uh and I was yeah. pretty pretty close to being right there because yeah. that's where Washington oh, yeah. grabbed Olave uh but do you what do you think taking a look at what we did and what we could have had would it have been worth it to trade those two picks to get up to 11 to get that that playmaking receiver um I'm a no I would say no I mean you know if if Olave turns out to be, a, you know, the next Jerry Rice, well, whoops, but I, probably not. Um, so it, it's, this is, as we talked about numerous times, what our guests had talked about, this was a, a draft, there was a truckload of wide receivers in this draft, but there was also depth at other positions. And there wasn't, you know, after the first 15 or so um, picks, the the talent, I would say got muddled, but it kind of, the, the playing field was a little bit leveled. So the fact that they took, you know, two two def two players on defense, I think, which was desperately needed. I mean, yeah, we need a wide receiver. So they ended up picking three more three wide receivers. There's three more undrafted free agents uh, wide receivers that they picked up, at least according to what I just recently saw. So the shotgun is happening from the wide receiver position. They still got a, a bunch of picks. They still kept those two first round picks. And hopefully that will, you know, it's a number of the, the Packer players, current players, you know, defense wins championships tweeted that out. So it's just, there seems to be, everybody's kind of all in on the, okay, let's, let's really shore up the defense speed and everything else. And then, okay, we're, the wide receivers, the offense, we're going to be just fine. Well, with that, let's, let's talk about trading and let's talk about that second round draft pick in Christian Watson. Christian Watson is a guy who, you know, we call it Packers Twitter or, you know, the, the, all the Packer fandom online. <laughs> this is a guy that a lot of the, the so-called pundits, the, all the mock drafters, everybody loved this kid out of North, North Dakota State. You know, it's not a Division I school uh, or not, not the, the FBS school, right? But he's a Neither big was kid. was Elkhorn State. 
Yeah, right. Well, but also Donald Driver was a seventh round pick as opposed to yeah. a second round pick. Well, now, Green Bay, Green Bay took those two second round picks that they had, and they did trade up to get Christian Watson at number 34. Now, there was a big trade a few years ago that you guys remember uh, that Green Bay actually traded backwards out of the first round into the second mm-hmm. round. And with the 36th overall pick, they got a kid named Jordy Nelson out of Kansas State, a school that, why are we drafting a kid out of Kansas State as a receiver? Yeah. And I think that um, you can almost look at Christian Watson the same way. And what do you guys think, knowing what you've read, what you've read about him so far? What do you like on his playmaking ability? I mean, I would just say, John, that if you look at Christian Watson's measurables and they're off the charts. Right. But on top of that, um, you're looking at a guy who is indicating that he's he's part of that Donald Driver, Devontae Adams tradition of hard work, that he wasn't the most polished receiver, but he worked at it and he worked at his craft. That's going to be hugely important um, as a piece of this to maintain that. And, and hopefully a guy like Cobb will be able to teach him the, the Packer ropes on how that works. Because that's one of the things you're losing with Devontae Adams is a guy right. who outworked everybody on the field. The, the, well, other Neil, thing, the other thing that I would say about Christian Watson, though, right, you said, well, he's not from a, you know, a bull, you know, top tier program, power five program, but North Dakota State has won three of the last four FCS championships. They are the best team in FCS. This is a guy who's used to being a winner. And I think there's a lot mm-hmm. to be said for combining not just that raw ability, but somebody who is in a, has been in a program that knows what it takes to win championships. He knows what's going to be involved as far as taking himself to the next level. Neil, going back to what we said in the last show, you you did the, you know, the kind of the what would what would have been or what, how would we have looked at a kid named Bart Starr coming out of Alabama going into the draft, but there's something about Starr that he became and, and it's something that we still talk about and it's that term Packer guy, is he a Packer guy? And I think you look at Christian Watson, you know, the thing about the top two draft picks coming out of Georgia, we said, hey, you don't have to change that G on your helmet. Well, Christian Watson doesn't have to change his his wardrobe because he's staying in green and gold, right? Same colors. Would you say, Neil, he, he, does he feel like a Packer guy to you? Yeah, I, I've not watched him. I'm not going to pretend that I'm this great draft <laughs> analyst who knows everything about every player, but everything that I've read about him, certainly, I mean, he's, he's got, you know, he's got, he's gives us a dimension that we didn't have before um, as far as the speed, as far as the size, as far as somebody who's accomplished at catching the football, as far as moving around. And so um, he is clearly an upgrade on MVS as far as I'm concerned. And um, you know, that is sufficient as far as moving us forward. Jeff, you were going to say something there too. Are you in the, in the same boat? Yeah. Oh, like I said, I, I think, like I said, I, I don't profess to watch. Um, I don't I never watched him play, obviously. Although um, some family members, you know, between NDSU and, and uh, North Dakota State, yeah, they're, they, um, they would have probably liked to have seen him be a Viking. But um, that being said, no, I think, you know, and we don't, football isn't played on paper, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's a big kid. He's a hands catcher. Um, and, you know, it took two second round picks trading up, but I think, you know, somebody has, as I you know, talked about before last, uh, episode, you know, somebody would have drafted him on a spite or something <laughs> just to, cause they, you know, the Packers, I think by trading up and, um, and, and I will let it be known here that you missed that trade. Cause you were watching jeopardy. If you're <laughs> <That's right. laughs> was true, oh, I'm like, come on, really? Um, but, um, you know, to, to jump in at the top of the second round to pick them, I think I have no problem using those two second round picks to, to, to get them. And Neil, like you said, we don't pretend to know everything. So we do have two other wide receivers uh, in the fourth round at 132 overall, Romeo Dubes 
uh, out of Nevada. And uh, our last pick in the seventh round, 258 overall, Samore Toure out of Nebraska. And I don't know, we, we're in the Big Ten, but I don't know if we think much about the Nebraska program. So I'm hoping the uh, Packers scouts see something there that we didn't see. But that shotgun approach that Dusty talked about, let's see how many receivers we can get and see what happens. A few years ago, they did that as well. The three receivers they got were Jamon Moore, uh, Equinemia St. Brown, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And we know how that experiment works. So, you know, let's hope that this experiment, these three, uh, works a little bit better. Dean, you like our receivers? You like you like wide receivers, Dean? Yeah, I, I do. I You know, I watched a little bit of video on Watson. And, you know, they, they it's edited tape, right? So you're seeing all the incredible stuff. But he really has, uh, it seems like, in all of the shots they had of him, he goes out there with his hands and, and he grabs that ball out of the air. At 6'5", uh, I, I like his chances against those 5'10", 5'11", defensive backs that weigh about 185 pounds. You know, he's um, not much heavier than that, but he, he's basically meant to be a bolt of lightning on the field. This is Herman Moore against T-Buck. That's what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. catching the ball, I think the, the word we want to use today is snatch. You know, snatch. Neil, you... I, I, I said this too. I, Neil, I totally forgot my trivia question. We've got two guests here. I'm going to throw this out there. Neil, we talked about one of the not-so-great Packer drafts or the what-if draft, and Terrell Buckley being one of the Packers' first-round picks. And, and I think if you look at it, if Terrell Buckley had had his whole career, the same stats that he did in Green Bay, we'd be exalting him. JP and Dean, here's a trivia question for you. In his entire NFL career, how many total interceptions did Terrell Buckley have? shockingly high in his it whole is. career in his whole <laughs> career i will tell you he is tied for 35th on the all-time career interception leaders list so pick a number and then double it i guess uh, 17 huh? okay triple it yeah triple, triple that no I'm, I'm thinking like wow. 45 close 45. yeah wow. 50 terrell 50. buckley had 50 career interceptions uh, in all the teams that he, but he did great in Miami. Yeah, not for the Packers. The you didn't have 50, but you yeah. know, if you if you read Ron Wolf's book, the 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 thing that he sort of pointed out about that specific pick and about picks in general is it's as important to have somebody who fits your system as it is somebody who's got talent. If somebody's got great talent and they don't fit your system, like Buckley, that's the you know that becomes a problem. And they needed you know they needed somebody to fit their system, and he didn't. And he still had a great career because he fit that system in Miami much better. Yeah, and if, if only we had taken Troy Vincent, uh, right. and then instead Miami took Troy Vincent and they yeah. swapped him out for Buckley after a few years. All right, anything about, else about this? Oh, I know the guy I wanted to talk about. In our third round, the 92nd pick overall, Sean Ryan, the tackle out of UCLA. I think I had sent those stats to you guys. He is a big kid, but his hand size, my goodness. Uh, 11 and a, or 11 and five eighths inches on his hand size. Imagine getting that meat hook up <laughs> under your pads there uh, while, while you're trying to run block. I mean, is this, is this guy going to be a, a, a rock on that line, Neil? Is he going to be pretty solid? He's my favorite pick in the entire draft. I mean, obviously I think that we're going to get more total from skill players than you are from alignment, but um, Sean Ryan is the guy that I'm most excited about. I think he's going to start immediately. I think he's going to join the Bakhtiari and Jenkins tier in a couple of years. I think that this is somebody who is going to immediately improve our offensive line as far as 
blocking on the run, blocking on the pass. Um, and he's also, in addition to his size, he's incredibly athletic. And so with Zach Tom, our fourth round pick, uh, those two had the two largest vertical jumps of any two linemen right. in the NFL. So we've got guys that are huge and incredibly athletic, and that bodes extremely well for our system in particular. Yeah, He's, both were like, was like, what, 33-inch vertical and 30, jumps or something? 33 and 33 and a half, yeah. Yeah, for guys well over 300 pounds. He's he's six foot five, 321 pounds, only one sack in his last 19 games at UCLA. And like I said, 11 and, a, 11 and 5 eighths inches on the hand size. Uh, and, 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 and you don't have to have that first round lineman anymore. David Bakhtiari proved that. Bakhtiari being a fifth round draft pick, and he came in. Uh, because of the blog injury in his rookie year and, and did just fine. He's shown that he's been more than spectacular at left tackle. The ugly Kardashian, <laughs> David Bakhtiari. The, the question that we you know need to find out is, can he slide into right tackle right now while Jenkins is, is still recovering? I think that's between him and Zach Tom. I think that's, those guys are going to get, they're going to get an opportunity to, to hold that side of the line. Yeah, and I mean, Royce Newman's, position is certainly not guaranteed that's for sure i think that there's that entire right side is completely open and uh you've got two guys in both zach time and sean ryan that have that ability to step right in so i'm really excited and i you know you you, you said that we're going to get to our uh sleeper picks well i'm going to go right now as long as we're talking Do offensive it. line um <laughs> I, I think that that rasheed walker is the is the sleeper pick of the draft as far as his potential is concerned so you know, you've got Mel Kuyper calling an underachiever. Well, that's because his 2020 season, he was so good that if he had come out into the and been drafted in the, the last year, he'd have been a probable first round pick. And so he slid from the first round all the way to the seventh round because his senior year wasn't so great, but he was a three-year starter at Penn State. Um, he's somebody who obviously had a bad year last year by his standards, but, um, you know, he's shown in the past that he can be somebody that's truly um one of the best people as far as pass blocking is concerned. And I think that we've got a chance at a real gem for him. If he uh, sort of gets back to skips his forgets his last year and moves back to where he was before. And, you know, if, as long as he's one of these character guys, he sort of is angry that he fell to the seventh round when he could have been a first rounder. You know, this is somebody, if he's got that motivation, he certainly got the ability to do it. Dean, you got a favorite pick in this draft? You know, I, I think that, um, you know, again, I'm just, it's probably easy to go with, with Quay Walker, but I'm just tickled. We finally are investing in our linebacking core, but actually I think the sleeper is going to be Kingsley and Ngabari. And Ngabari, uh, I think. Yeah. Uh, the kid, the yeah. kid out of South Carolina. The Gamecock. Correct. Well done, I'm just sir. Gonna, I'm just going to say it since all of you have stepped around that one. Um, you know, I, I just, I think that he could be also that kind of guy who might have a little bit of a salty chip on his shoulder. Um, before the injury, there were a lot of people that were talking like a day two selection kind of a guy and he fell to the fifth round. What I've read is they, they say he looks a lot like Zadarius Smith and, and uh, probably will be filling in nicely for Rashawn Gary or Preston Smith or, or even taking downs with him. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it's another guy. He had a second round grade to him. I think he was, he was, uh, I think, number 56 on the big board of players from CBS Sports and, and Green Bay gets him at 179. 
Yeah. Uh, so that's another another nice value pick down there in the fifth round. Well, the, the other thing is that, you know, he, he's, he was not somebody who underachieved his senior year. So Pro Football Focus put him as one of the top three pass rushing grades of everyone in the entire draft. Top three pass rushing grade. Um, I'm willing to take talent like that for sure. Talking to my brother, we were trying to figure out why he dropped all the way down to the fifth round. And the only big knock against him is his <clears throat> slow 40-yard dash time. It, it was like a 4.7.8, really? yeah, like four, four, and, and my brother very insightfully says, well, thank God we'll never ask him to run 40 yards. <laughs> so, right? No, it's, you know. It's absolutely true. You know? <laughs> He, yeah, he, he has definitely, he's got the spot there that he came, probably came to the right team that um, <clears throat> is looking at that defense to really, uh, yeah. really improve and really shine. And if he can get in that rotation with our, with our edge rushers, I think he'll do just fine. He, he's not, he's not going to be expected to be down there, out, out there every three downs. Uh, same with the, you know, Devontae Wyatt. Devontae Wyatt, I think is my favorite pick right there because uh, another one of the big bodies out of Georgia between him and Jordan Davis were the two that I like. Uh, we couldn't get Davis, and, and surprisingly, Wyatt was not only was he there at 22, and I was surprised that we didn't take him, but uh, then he was available at 28, and we did grab him. And the uh, knock against him, he had some domestic violence issues, uh, charges against him that were later dropped while he was in college. And I think that uh, we feel that the Packer brass, you know, did their due diligence in talking to this guy in the offseason. Uh, yeah. JP, I don't know if you read anything about that, but you know, the potential here of, you know, could this kid be, you know, uh, a Mossy Cade or a Johnny Jolly situation, or is he someone that you think the Packers have his head, head squared on correctly? Now, I think they did their due diligence at, when you're drafting at that position. I think the Packers of all teams understand that and, and understand um, the, the, the smaller city sort of aspect of that, that you can't hide as much in Green Bay as you may be yeah. able to in a larger city. So yeah. my understanding is that they found that there were, you know, there were, there was stuff that that he was in trouble for, but it was not necessarily violent per se. And so I think that's good news. I think that he's going to be an interesting one. Like Quay Walker is going to be interesting because he slots in immediately as a starter. I think there's a lot of opportunities for the three wide receivers that they've got uh, that they drafted, that um, there's going to be a lot of room there as time goes on, both this year and next to be developmental. So I think there's a lot of time, um, you know, for, for a number of pieces of this draft to develop. How do you like that speed though with, with Quay Walker and <clears throat> Devondre Campbell being next, next, next to each other in the middle of that uh, second level? Finally. Me yeah. likey. I, the, the fact that, you know, he, one of the things he's rated as doing well is doing pass defending from that position because of his speed is something that I'm so excited about that we're not having to worry about our linebackers being a liability in coverage. And his, his speed is going to impact his ability to, to deal with the run as well. That's been a huge weakness in the middle of that defense. Both, you know, the, the two first-round picks are going to deal with that middle of that defense, make it a lot harder for teams to just pound the ball against the Packers and, you know, give them some opportunities to move forward um, and, and be the solid defense that, that we know they can be. Oh, that, that elevates the, the, um, the edge rushers then yeah. suddenly you know it's like yeah. okay pick your poison right so then you know rush rashawn gary you know what's what's his potential you know double digit sacks you know mid-teens i mean if if the if the 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 center is clogged up if they can't run you know they're gonna, they're gonna focus more on the pass so then okay maybe that'll play to uh that strength 
whether he actually whether Quay Walker actually plays angry or just appears to play angry because of his flat out speed, I don't care. The outcome is the same. You're talking running backs tackled for losses. You're talking pressures on the quarterback. You're talking about tight ends being covered as they try to do a crossing route of some kind. I'm and and God help God help the slot receiver who who tries to take a pass in the middle with Devondre Cat, uh, Campbell and Quay Walker waiting there for him. I mean, it's it'll be probably an unpleasant exchange. Um, and, and I just again, I'm I'm stoked. I mean, um, give me just give me Ray Nitschke. That's all I is. That's so hard. Just give me Ray. Second Nitschke. coming. Yeah, yeah. Just I'm I'm stoked about the middle the middle linebacker or just our linebacking core period. Jeff, we didn't get to you. Jeff, what was your favorite pick in this draft? What'd you like about it? Um, you know, as as I've been listening to you talk, it's I don't know if I necessarily have a favorite. So what I was Jeff, kind of everybody around me gets to listen to me talk. That's just the way it is. <laughs> so kind of what I'm thinking though is is that based on what you know these since we've been doing these podcasts, that you know I've paid attention to the draft before, but I haven't like paid attention like come July, August, September, who makes the team of the draft choices. So now what this has kind of forced me to do is be like, I'm vested, right? Mm -hmm. So what I'm thinking, and, you know, based on what we've talked about in the prior weeks or whatever, so it'll be interesting to see how many of these 11 picks plus, you know, undrafted free agents actually make the team. Because historically, it's anywhere, you know, a good draft, approximately, you know, about two-thirds make the team and actually really contribute if that's a really really good draft you know as we've we've talked about um again in prior episodes it's like how important is this draft is this really going to be is this a big inflection point here that if they have a really good draft which again on paper it seems like they did but now it's you know so what happens in august come september you know who's starting you know you'd think that you know, some of these guys have to start, right? I mean, you know, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Christian Watson, you know, and probably, you know, a couple of guys on the offensive line, they're at least going to be backups, if not starters. Well, starter, so that, starter, starter is always a kind of a tricky word to use because you have different packages, but I see where you're going yeah. with this. And let's, let's kind of even just break it down. I'm going to throw this out here, looking at last year's draft, not just starter specifically, but impact player are making a big contribution to the team. And I think out of the 2021 draft, uh, I think out of everybody but one player, we got that. Uh, the first pick, Eric Stokes, cornerback, big yeah, contributor. That worked out okay. You know, Josh Myers uh, on the line. I think Josh Myers at center is working out okay. Uh, Amari Rogers as receiver, didn't get a lot of action when he did, especially on the punt return. We weren't impressed, but I think he's still uh, poised to improve. Then Royce Newman, we talked about Newman already. He was drafted in the fourth round. Newman. The other big kid on the defensive line, TJ Slayton. TJ, you know, again, didn't have to be a three-down player, but he came in. He would, you know, fill in for Kenny Clark when needed be, and he filled up the holes real nice. Uh, a guy named Shamar Gene Charles, cornerback, didn't start out too well. I think he was practice squad at the beginning of the year, but ended up becoming a good fill-in corner uh, special teams guy. Cole Van Lannan sat on, on practice squad all year. Isaiah McDuffie, linebacker in the sixth round, kind of same as Gene Charles. Uh, and then Kylan Hill, the running back, our third running back. So, so looking at that, it's, it's not only getting that depth, but it's getting guys that can fill in, can. Uh, you're not going to see a drop off when well, I, that guy gets into play. And I would say that with the 11 players that we picked, that potential is there. 
Well, here's the other piece too that uh, well, I'll bring up the asshats. There's got to be an upgrade, right? We've we've actively gone out. We hired arguably the best special teams coach in the NFL. So, and so maybe some of these draft picks, you know, uh, Terry Carpenter, kind of the the linebackers or whatever, they're going to play on special teams. I think. I mean, they're going to have more because we've got more speed, right? You've got some bigger bodies out there. I think there will be. It's going to be tricky, but I I think special teams has got to be freaking better, right? And so some of these players, I think, will make impact, whether it's wide receivers or linebackers, will be on special teams and make impacts there. And well, I think can, the big surprise be worse? is how could special teams get worse? It, it can't, and, yeah. and hopefully Rich Biasaccia helps us out there. But talking about special teams, looking at the big surprise to me is they did not draft a cornerback. Usually in the defensive backfield, you take a corner, a guy who's going to be one of those contributors on special teams. And then Tariq Carpenter, who we get in the seventh round out of Georgia Tech, he's a big kid. Um, but the knock against him is he misses a lot of tackles. I don't know that <laughs> missing tackles is, is a positive uh, if you're putting your head down and hoping for the best, right? Yeah, I thought maybe they would actually um, look at safety. Um, I, I've been unimpressed with Darnell Savage. It seemed like he he had a great rookie season. He showed a lot of promise. It looked as though his trajectory was, you know, going the right direction. And now I, I, I don't know. He just, um, he's kind of planed out and I don't think he's played as well as his first year. Yeah. But the word is, is that he and Rashawn Gary are getting their fifth year option and that should be coming out on Monday. Okay. So investing in the future is always good, which is what the draft is all about. Dean, we know you got to go. Anything you want to throw out at us before you uh, have your Sunday fun day? <laughs> no, uh, just enjoying seeing you guys and talking to you guys, talking a little football, always a good thing, drinking a little beer. It's not a bad way to spend uh, a little bit of time on a Sunday. So thanks for having me. Thanks we for joining us. appreciate you jumping in. Say you hi bet. to your wife. Will do. So again, thanks for to Dean for joining us. We'll move on here. Not only do we have 11 drafted players, Jeff, but there are now, what, 13 undrafted free agents coming in. Uh, probably the most notable name or the name that a lot of our fans probably recognize, Danny Davis from the University of Wisconsin coming in as a receiver. Yep. Uh, a couple other receivers, Jeff, who, who else is coming in? Uh, looks like a rookie tryout, a uh, guy by the name of Anthony Turner from Grandview. Wow. And then um, from Missouri, Kiki Kism? Chism? Okay, so we'll in addition to um, three more wide receivers, two running backs on that list, um, so offensive linemen, line, more linebackers. Um, so a little, little bit of everything. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, every once in a while, you never know. Guys, that'll get their chance. Now in camp, we have 90 players on the team and there's only uh, 99 available Jersey numbers. Uh, already some of the players are getting assigned and, and, you know, one through 99. And now that they've opened up those numbers one through 19 for all of your skill players court, not just the quarterbacks, but the running back, the, the receivers, and just about anybody can have that single digit number. Everybody wants a cool number and Quay Walker gets to keep his number seven that he had in college. Um, and then uh, Christian Watson, they had originally assigned number 82 and it almost seemed like there was an outpouring of complaints that that number wasn't cool enough. Uh, and he's being assigned number nine. But Watson's number in college was number one. Mm -hmm. Now, we know what our retired numbers are, right? We know Canadeo's number three, Favre's number four, 14 and 15 for, for Hudson and Starr. 
Nitschke is 66, Reggie White is 92. That's that's Again. six numbers right there. So out of the out of 99 of, of possible, you're down to 93. But now you narrow that down into the one through uh, 19. We lose four of them that are retired, but there are two numbers that just don't get assigned. Number one for Curly Lambeau, and number five for Paul Horning, and that really reduces that 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 range of cool numbers. And I think, in my opinion, it's time to open those numbers up. If they're not going to retire them then we got to start reusing them. I know there's a stigma to being number one or having that number one. And, and you kind of feel like, boy, someone better be really special to get number one. Unfortunately, you don't know how special they're going to be coming in. Uh, I would have liked to see Christian Watson been able to keep his college number since they, we've got those opened up at number one. But um, your thoughts there? Because Mikowski wore five for a little bit as well, didn't he? Yeah, Don Mikowski wore five before they uh, switched him back to seven. And there was an outcry about him wearing five. So... They switched out. I think I think to get those numbers assigned, they're going to have to have a superstar come in who wants to use one of those numbers. Otherwise, I don't think they're going to get assigned anytime soon. So, so the seal has to be broken by someone coming in as a free agent and saying, I want to be number one. Um, but yeah, number five, I mean, since Horning wore it, uh, Vince Ferragamo wore it in 86, Willie Gillis in 87, Don Mikowski also in 87, and then uh, a kicker named Curtis Burrow in 1988. And and Okay, none of those guys are Paul Horning, but it's it's time to you know. It's, so it's, it's been since '88 that yeah. it hasn't been assigned. It hasn't oh. been assigned, and it's not if it's not retired, it needs to go back into rotation. Yeah. I think that sure. Sure. I think that the equipment manager needs to wash those numbers, wash those jerseys, and get them assigned. I don't think any of those players went into the regular season with that number, though, uh, except for maybe Ferragamo. Uh, yeah. I'm not. I don't think any of them went into the season with it. So that's sort of an interesting you know, temporary twist, right? Yeah, it's like a placeholder in, in training camp. And, you know, they have used season. it. They have used the number. I remember um, a kid named Alex Gillette wore number one in the preseason a few years ago. And then I think he got onto the practice squad and they moved him up to 19 or something like that. But to see that number in the preseason was interesting as well. But again, it's not a retired number. Why not use it? It doesn't feel like too much of a hot take, John. To, to release those numbers? Yeah, it is. Because if people were upset that Don Mikowski wore number five, it clearly is that, that this number hasn't been worn in over 30 years. Right. But I mean, with Don, Don Mikowski at number five, there were plenty of people who remembered Paul Horning playing. And uh, you know, we're now long enough that there aren't many Packers play, fans who remember Paul Horning playing. So it's a little bit of a difference. We're alive when Paul Horning played. Yeah. Right. Well, the other thing too is, enough, but. is is they say that that number one was Curly Lambo's number, and you got to realize those first few years they didn't wear numbers, they didn't have jersey numbers at all, and I have yet to see a picture of Curly Lambo wearing anything that looks like it has a number one on it. Even the 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 small circle numbers, you know, like Johnny McNally has that. There's a picture of him with a 24 and one of the 27, and 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 things like that. But I I have yet to see a picture of Curly Lambo wearing something with a number one on it. And, and if anybody out there listening has it, feel free to email it to me. That'd be great. I'd love to see it. Uh, and with that said, I, I think that it's time to just say we need to get these numbers opened up because we're in a different era now. It's, it's been 100 years. I think we can use that number. And you either need to retire it or, or move forward. I, I agree yeah. that you need to do one or the other. And if you're just not going to sign it, then, you know, you can do that temporarily, but that's not a permanent solution. You need to do one or the other. I, I, also, like, I also like a big number on a big kid, Sean Ryan. Uh, that tackle, 6'5", 320 pounds. He's wearing number 75. That's a that's a good number for a big tackle, isn't it? It is. Beats the hell out of 56, right, JP? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that. Uh, what Kenny Rutgers? Uh, Kenny uh, was it Rutgers number seventy-five back in the day. Rutgers. Yeah, I think he wore seventy-five. Mm -hmm. um, okay, enough about jersey numbers. Let's maybe talk about what our competitors did, what they did uh, right or wrong. Just let's just look at the NFC North here, and I, I want to pick on the Detroit Lions because really the Detroit Lions had a rough year. Um, their only two weaknesses really are defense and scoring, and I think they sort of addressed both of them. Certainly with defense. Uh, to grab Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive end out of Michigan. Um, I, I think they looked at that availability and said, we need someone to really put some pressure on Aaron Rodgers if he's staying in Green Bay. Uh, their addressing of scoring, I think grabbing Jamison Williams, they traded up to number 12 to get Williams. Now he's not going to be an impact player right away, but he could be down the road. But again, another year where the Detroit Lions take a wide receiver in the first round. But that even brings me up, Jeff, the, the Lions traded into the number 12 spot with Minnesota. What exactly, and you, you might have a better finger on the pulse here, what exactly is going on in Minnesota with the number of trades that they did going on that draft, and, and have they declared themselves uh, draft Super Bowl champions yet? Um, not that I've heard. <laughs> However, uh, as you mentioned, so the Vikings originally had the 12th overall pick, uh, and they traded that to a division rival, Detroit, who went yeah. and picked a wide receiver. So then day two starts and they have the, what, 30, um, 30, or 34. excuse me, 34th yeah. pick. Yeah, it's right in front of me. The 34th pick on day two, right at the top of the second round. And they trade the Packers, of course, a divi another division rival. And again, they move down. So there's been, depending which camp you're in, it's either like, what the hell are the Vikings doing trading with NFC division um, rivals? and basically allowing them to move up and pick good players in this case, both wide receivers. Um, or is it just, you know, kind of that they think, Oh, well, we're getting more players because of this. And so we're fleecing our, our rivals, two schools of thought, who knows it's unusual. And I know what was brought up um, on what I was listening to on ESPN more than once where they're like, this is so odd that they're doing this. It's, it was, you know, kind of an unwritten rule. But again, there's, it's a leadership change, new regime here in Minnesota. So I guess they thought, what the hell? If they're going to offer us more picks, we'll go for it. I think their thought is that they think they're smarter than the other teams, which is the general fallacy that most GMs have. And while we don't care if we new trade GMs with our we, 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 we don't care about trading to our rivals because, yes, we are, intent, we are actually fleecing them because we are smarter than they are. Well, and, and let's remember that they're, you know, by trading down, they're getting more picks out of this. And sometimes, you know, there's a there's a philosophy that volume, you know, helps that if you have two late round, uh, you know, two late round second round picks, that that has odds of one hitting and one missing. And well, then they traded the second round pick, though, even so they traded one of the Packers picks again. So it's like, right. mm, OK, I don't yeah. know how many picks they had going into the draft. They finished with 10 selections which isn't bad they they end up with the last pick in the first round they get lewis seen the the safety out of georgia which is a guy i think that packer fans were looking at so now we're going to get to see him twice a year and say oh what would it have been like if he had been in green bay uh andrew booth the cornerback uh, out of clemson is their second round pick they and then they also get brian asamoa linebacker out of oklahoma he's another kid that i think teams were i think packer fans specifically were probably looking at in the third round, I, I feel like Brian Asamoah and, and Leo Chanel, the Badger, were guys that, um, again, our Packer fan, Packer Twitter friends were probably looking at to, to get into the into the list there. But the Chicago Bears, too, um, 
they, they their fans got to sit around and, and watch everybody have a lot of fun on Thursday night. <laughs> they traded yeah. everything away to get Justin Fields, but then they come back in, they get um, three picks on Friday night. Uh, not bad. Kyler Gordon, cornerback. Uh, Jaquan Brisker, the safety out of Penn State, another kid that I think that um, had he dropped a little bit and been available in the third round, Green Bay would have would have looked at. Uh, and another receiver, a kid that I think had a visit to Green Bay, uh, Velas Jones Jr., receiver out of Tennessee, went number 71 overall. And I think he's one of the kids that came through and had a visit. So again, these are names that you can say, okay, these are guys that were on our short list. Let's see how they do when they play on our, our, our rivals. Neil, I know you only pay attention to who's on the Packers. You don't give a shit who. <laughs> I could not care less. <laughs> I mean, we, we know half the Packers players are in all likelihood not going to work out long term. And I, I, I'm working to get, I always want to get excited by my own players, but I really can't get excited about half the players on some other team not working out. And I'm trying to speculate on which half are going to work and which are not going to work. Uh, the other thing that I would say, as far as your draft analysis of the North is concerned is you said that Detroit's weaknesses are defense and scoring. And um, you know, those are two big weaknesses, but I would argue that their biggest week, their biggest weakness is being Detroit. And I don't think that, you know, even if they solve the defense and scoring, I don't know whether they can overcome the being Detroit element. You talk about a number of players though, Neil, your math is pretty good because if there's 90 players on a, on a roster right now, and we have to cut it down to 53, that's yeah, almost half of these guys whose names we're going to try to remember. Uh, we're, we're not even going to know when it comes down to it, but uh, what Jeff with the, the number of receivers undraft in the undrafted class and the number that we brought in and who's been sticking around, there's got to be a dozen uh, receivers sitting out there. We've got four quarterbacks to throw to a dozen receivers right now as everybody's kind of getting warm in camp. Neil, I know you want to look at this question. How many, how many guys do you think Green Bay ends up in that? It's probably way too early to ask this question and we'll revisit in July, but how many receivers are you comfortable with keeping on your roster? Well, I think that, you know, one of the things we talked about as far as the draft was concerned was, you know, we assumed that in a, in a tight end, red, tight end rich draft that the Packers were going to draft a tight end. And obviously we didn't. And this might signal that there might be a change in the scheme of, of Matt LaFleur that, you know, we went tight end heavy because we had a lot of tight ends and our receiver core wasn't so deep. And that may not be what he really wants to do. He may want to shift it to a more normal type of type of tight end situation where we keep three tight ends instead of four or even five tight ends. And, you know, that means you keep seven or eight receivers instead of six to seven. So Neil is definitely upset that that hole was not filled and we did not touch a tight end. <laughs> See, I told you that was my job. Yeah. <laughs> JP, I want to ask you a question. Growing up, because you haven't been on the show before, uh, uh, growing up in Green Bay, were you ever a kid that took his bike over to the west side of town? Did were you a no, training camp took, kid? Never took my bike over. No, nope, never took my bike over. It was uh, it was probably when I was a little too too far of a ride uh, back in the day. I didn't really ever do it. Yeah. So nope, did you did. did you get to go over? Were you ever a railbird? I did. Those I, days? I, did you get autographs? Yeah, we used to ride over occasionally and just watch. Um, you know, go over and watch uh, watch a practice, and and did do the autograph day a couple of times, a uh, number of times. I think uh, Packer, Packer Picture Day. Packer Picture yeah. Day, right? They used to have Packer Picture Day. They they started to move away from that. I think uh, in the Favre era that he was getting too 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 much, and Reggie White. Uh, but yeah, that was a fun that was a fun day. Got a lot of a uh, lot of uh, pictures and autographs, uh, many of whom never actually really played for the Packers. Just so we're clear. My favorite JP story is the uh, the morning of the Packers Buccaneers game. 
when there was a torrential blizzard in, in yeah. Green Bay and, and getting a phone call from you at about 10 a.m. asking me if I wanted to go to that Packer game with you. And, and uh, my dad said, well, sure, you can go. And you said, and then I said, well, how the hell am I going to get there? <laughs> you eventually made it to that game. How did. did you, uh, how did you get there? What do you remember about that game? So my, uh, it was with my uncle who had a ton of tickets, uh, had a good number of tickets that he was around. We had nice seats, uh, although we could have moved anywhere we wanted in that stadium. There were not many people there. And so uh, we actually left at halftime because it got so bad that they were afraid to drive on the roads at, at halftime and did not get home. I actually stayed at my cousin's house overnight after that game. And I had those, uh, I had those tickets, uh, kept them because it was a memorable game, it was a memorable uh, uh, push. And actually, they had, there was a Sports Illustrated uh, picture uh, ad running on it uh, years later. So I put that and I put it on my door of my dorm room and somebody stole that picture and the tickets. Oh, of my dorm oh. Room. So yeah, it was a great, uh, it, was a, it was a fun game. It was a fun game to go to. Uh, and then I got to hang out with my cousins overnight. So that was great. Could, from, you said there. you could move wherever you wanted. Could you still see the field? Could you see what was going on? You could see a little bit. I mean, yeah, you could see what's, what's going on. I mean, you can see generally what's going on. It wasn't perfectly clear, but you could generally see what's going on. You could see the lineup. You could see, you know, if the ball was thrown, you wouldn't necessarily know if they caught it or not or where it was going, but you could see the players moving around, but they didn't throw that much. Um, you know, there's a lot of running, running in the game, and it really wasn't that close of a game anyway. I mean, yeah. Buccaneers did not put up much of a fight once it got really bad. Well, they didn't have the right footwear for starters. I mean, they were right. completely unprepared. Yeah, and, and as you recall, the, the Lambeau Field has those uh, heaters underneath, and the coaches always know where the heaters are versus uh, versus the others. Um, it's actually my neighbor who actually designed uh, designed the uh, the heating system under Lambeau at the time in the 1950s, and then his son redid it in the uh, in the late 1990s, early 2000s. Okay. Yeah, your neighbor, your neighbor growing up over there in the Astor Park neighborhood. The Astor Park neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, there's a little yeah. little trivia history today. Yeah. Excellent. Yep. Right. And also played. He also played for the uh, the 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 old. Uh, Chicago Cardinals. He was a tight end for the Chicago Cardinals, John Harrington. And I don't know that we really got an answer on how many receivers we're going to keep, but that's probably something that we'll talk about when we get closer to training camp. We've got a lot of off season here. Our next show, we want to talk about what the schedule is going to be. We're looking forward to finding out who the Packers play in London, uh, what the 2022 schedule is going to look like. We've got rookie camp, we've got OTAs, we've got training camp in July. So we'll figure things out for the summer as we go along. Uh, but for now, let's kind of wrap it up. Neil, what, uh, what are your final thoughts on this draft? What else did you see? So we talked a lot about offensive line, or at least I talked a lot about offensive line. We talked about um, the, the edge rushers. But one of the things that I'm most excited about as far as the draft is actually looking at Devontae Wyatt in the, in the first round and the fact that he's a defensive tackle, but he's not a space filling defensive tackle, but he is somebody who was good both in stopping the run and in rushing the passer. It's you know, how long has it been since we've consistently had somebody in the middle of the defensive line who's actually capable of putting pressure onto the quarterback. I really think that that's a major upgrade over some of the, over the Tyler Lancasters and the Dean Lowry's that we have right now. So I'm really excited about that one. And then I think the biggest question mark in the entire draft from my perspective is Jonathan Ford. You know, he's a person who underachieved at the end of his time in Miami, but at 6'5", 3'5", 30 
um, is a very large man. He showed flashes, and I, you know, the problem is he showed flashes but wasn't consistent. Um, but if he can find his motivation, here's our next Gilbert Brown, possibly. And uh, I, I love the concept if hopefully he is able to figure out how to motivate himself and get to be that point where he is the person that's stopping. When it's a third and short, we just put our new Gilbert Brown, Jonathan Ford in, and they're not going anywhere. So I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing him do something. Like you said, it, 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 as I said earlier, um, I've watched drafts before, but uh, and I watched most of this one, all, all the rounds. Um, so like I said, I'm vested. I, I'm really excited. I think so what I've read is that the Packers national, you know, a lot of folks think the Packers had a good draft. Do I think they had a good draft? Yes. Based on what we've talked about, the address need, they seem to have gotten a bunch of talented players. I'm really hoping for the best, um, you know, with a lot of these guys. So now I'm, I'm vested. So now I'm really curious who makes the team, how they're going to make the team and then um, watching them, you know, play this Falk and, um, you know, hopefully they do well and, and are successful because I think I felt, I personally feel like this draft is kind of an inflection point. So if this is a really successful draft, which again, on paper it is, we'll see what happens. But if this really kind of takes the Packers that next step, right? They've won 39 games. My God, over the last three years, no mm -hmm. Super Bowls. <laughs> no, we, we got to get there. Is this the draft to get them there? I certainly hope so. I'd love to see it. Well, we've got three months of speculation to really look at what these guys are going to do, potentially do. JP, any other thoughts on the draft from you? Yeah, I do think if you look at the draft, it feels like there's a change in philosophy from the prior years. I think they went older. Um, they went with mature. They went with big programs. Uh, in fast. They went fast. And, you know, three-year, four-year starters in a number of cases rather than in, in older players, rather than younger players. I think that's indicative of, of the approach that Gutekunst is doing this year, that he is looking for players who can contribute quickly, understand the NFL, understand the NFL defense. So I think to, to Jeff's point, I think this was a draft that was designed to make the most of where we're at now. And if, if Aaron Rodgers were not around, if he were injured with Jordan Love, there's still a lot of talent in the next couple of years that they can build on, but it's a mature draft. It's not a young, taking chance, dice-throwing draft. Neil, the one thing we didn't talk about was the number of trades in that first round. You threw out the challenge in the last episode. You picked a number at six, and uh, everybody who said six or higher ended up winning. I, I lost that bet, but nine trades. Not, not, and that doesn't count the trades that happened right, before the draft. To, Those were yeah. nine draft night trades. That's a lot of action going on. Well, that's kind of what the thought was because there weren't, you know, there weren't, there, there were a few good players and, but there was no definitive. And there were so many teams that either didn't have picks or had multiple picks in the first round. So that's, that was my kind of thought. Like there's, there's going to be a bunch of trades. There's going to be a lot of moving around. And there was. And we even quoted Mark Murphy, who said prior to the draft, he, Murphy said he would be surprised if Goody Coons didn't have some action in on that in the first round. And, well, well he didn't actually, ironically, you know, Green Bay he held didn't. on to their 22 and 28, but then didn't make that trade. Didn't make that move until the second round. Yeah. Uh, I really feel that it was a shrewd move uh, on, on Brian's part. Uh, I think that he did uh, filled every need that, that they were looking for. They got the pieces of the puzzle that they want to put together. And I like this draft. I like the way they put it together. A couple of question marks laid down, you know, but that's okay. You're not, you don't hit on a winner in every round. Uh, but I think as long as your top three, top four picks 
Quay Walker, Devontae White, Christian Watson, Sean Ryan. If those four guys are contributors, they're going to have a great season. The Packers are going to have a great season as well. All right, get more information on the GBC podcast at Green Bay Chat on Twitter and on Facebook at the GBC podcast, Green Bay Chat. And may you fully appreciate the magnitude of your impending good fortune. Thanks for joining us. All right, thanks for joining us, JP. Thank you for having me.